103. We do appreciate you being here tonight. For some reason, <clears throat> on Sunday nights, I'm having trouble with my voice. And last Sunday afternoon, of course, Steve's preaching on Sunday morning. And I, so I've been trying to save my voice and hide from everybody, but somehow everywhere we went today, there's somebody wanted to talk. And so, and, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I heard a preacher say one time, a, a preacher's like a woman, loses his voice, he's out of business. <clears throat> he ain't working out it. But, uh, now I'd never say anything like that, but just the things that some people say is just terrible. But, uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, <clears throat> we appreciate that. And, uh, wasn't that a good service this morning? I'm, and I mean that. I, boy, we, we had a good time in Sunday school this morning. And, and what a message from the Word of God, boy, reminding us. Man's problem today is his heart problem, isn't it? And, uh, so we just appreciate, uh, Steve taking us through the book of Mark. All right, if you found your place, <clears throat> Psalms 103, and let's, I'll read aloud, I'm going to read through the entire psalm tonight, and then point out a couple of uh, dominant themes. You know, when you read a chapter of the Bible, <clears throat> it's not always true, but in, in many of the chapters you find several different subjects or themes mentioned and so forth, but, uh, but usually there's one or more sometimes just predominant themes that in subjects that are emphasized in that particular uh, scripture. And I'd like to point out a couple of those from this psalm tonight, but I'll begin reading <clears throat> Psalm 103 with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquity who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. <clears throat> the Lord executeth righteousness and judgment or justice for all that are oppressed. He made his ways known unto Moses his acts unto the children of Israel. <clears throat> the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth or hath compassion on them that fear him. <clears throat> For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone and the place thereof shall know it no more. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him, and His righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep His covenant, and to those that remember His commandments to do them. The Lord hath not prepared His throne in the head. The Lord hath prepared, verse 19, the Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. 
Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's bow our heads for prayer tonight and just ask God to just use this scripture to just speak to your heart and challenge your faith tonight. Father, we do want to thank you for the good day we've had, as we often think on Sunday nights with our church family, as well as our individual families and others, Lord, that we've had the privilege of maybe running into today and having fellowship with and contacts with. And God, we just thank you and praise you for the privilege of being saved. These songs that we've been singing tonight reminding us of our Savior and the wonderful assurance of forgiveness of sin that we have in Christ tonight. God, we just thank you for every child and young person and adult that's here tonight, every home that's represented. And Lord, we just pray as one more time we open up your word today as a church family that you'll just bind Satan, give us clarity of mind and thought and voice. And Lord, may the Holy Spirit just illuminate your word to our understanding Help us to take it, give us wisdom to take and apply it to our lives tonight. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, I just want you to notice it's very obvious as you read this psalm that one of the dominant or prevailing themes is praising God. Amen. It's obvious. And of course, since it's one of the psalms, that's no surprise to us because there's so much emphasis on praising God and and worshiping the Lord and and showing a heartfelt uh, gratitude and being thankful for, first of all, who God is and all of God's blessing to us. But you'll notice this psalm opens with, and and by the way, this is one of my favorite psalms, and over the 32 years that we've been here with you, I'm sure we've made many references to this psalm. And And the psalmist in the first two verses says, Bless the Lord or praise the Lord. Uh, oh, my soul, and that means his heart's just literally bursting open and just screaming out and crying in worship to the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So it's not just a ritual. It's not just going through some ceremony. But here the psalmist, uh, the Holy Spirit's done something in his heart, and he just, it's real, it's genuine, amen? And he's praising the Lord in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, all his blessings. And by the way, even the problems and trials that your heavenly Father allows to come into your life can result in benefits if we let God have his will and way. Amen. Then you come down to the end of this psalm. And in verse uh, Someone made this observation, which I thought was tremendous. In verse 19, we're reminded that the Lord, Jehovah God, the only true and living God, again, we're being reminded that has prepared his throne in the heavens. Amen. And his kingdom ruleth over all. God's still in control tonight. Do you believe that? And then it's like after making that statement, The Holy Spirit leads the psalmist again to explode with praise in verse 20 and says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels. Well, you can rest assured they're worshiping God tonight, aren't they? 
and that excel in strength, that do God's commandments, hearkening into the voice of His Word, oh, that we would be that obedient. And then verse 21, Bless the Lord, all ye His hosts, ye ministers of His, that do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His whole dominion. And then it comes back to the psalmist individually, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, isn't that a thrilling child? Isn't it wonderful tonight to be able, because of the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to have a heart that really wants to worship God and exalt God and thank God and lift our hearts and voices of praise to Him tonight. Amen? So that's one prevailing theme in this psalm, as well as many others, of course. But I want you to notice another theme or subject that's mentioned several times in this psalm, and it's one of the reasons why we're so prone to praise God and worship the Lord, and that's the theme of God's mercy. God's mercy. Notice in Psalm 103, verse 4, for example, Psalm 103, verse 4, <clears throat> who redeemeth thy life from destruction who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender what? Mercies. <laughs> that word crowneth there means it's, it's like the crowning touch. When God, you go back and read the story of creation and other places, and the sign, it says that the crown of God's creation was when God created the first man and woman. It was like... Uh, uh, I thought about carpentry work. I don't know beans about it. I built a doghouse. That's about my limit of carpentry. But we talk, or painting, or anything else, talking about putting the final touch on it. And, uh, and, and the crown of God's creation. And this word crown here in verse 4, it actually means to, to encircle or to engulf or to encompass something. And the psalmist there evidently has in mind that in Psalm 103, verse 4, here's a God that has redeemed my life from destruction and has just engulfed me with His loving kindness and tender mercies. Then look at verse uh, 8 of this psalm. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. First of all, verse 4, His tender mercies. Verse 8, the abundance of His mercy. Plenteous in mercy. Then look at verse 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. Tender mercies. Plenteous in mercy. Great is His mercy above the heavens. Drop down to verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. It's eternal, amen. The eternal, never-ending mercies of God. Now we're going to come back to some of those verses in a minute. But did you notice down in verse 7 of this psalm, after thinking about those two dominant themes here of praising God and God's mercy. He mentions Moses. And right after mentioning Moses and how God had revealed 
his ways to Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel, he immediately in verse 8 mentions the mercy of God. And by the way, when we study our Bibles and we try to distinguish between these different terms, mercy, kindness, loving kindness, mercy, grace, and there is a shade of difference and emphasis and and sometimes it's, it's, you know, it, it's hard to just, you know, and, and we just lump it all together in the grace of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God and so forth. But, you, you know, I wonder, and I don't know, I wonder if the psalmist here, as he's meditating on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is leading him to write this particular psalm, and he mentions Moses in connection with the mercy of God, I can't help but wonder if the psalmist has a certain event that took place, a certain experience that happened in the life of Moses. I want you to go back with me for a minute, thinking about the mercy of God now, and go back with me to the book of Exodus, actually starting in Exodus chapter 32. And did you know Moses had the privilege of having a vision of God? perhaps in a way that nobody else has ever had. I know the Apostle Paul went up to the third heaven. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. But Moses saw something about the glory of God that maybe no other human being has ever seen this side of heaven. And, and, and I, I want you to start with me in chapter, Exodus chapter 32. And I don't know, I'm speculating, but it might be that the psalmist had this in mind when he wrote these words in the Psalms, in Psalm 103. In Exodus chapter 32, remember Moses was up on the mount. We'll read a verse in a minute, but let me just summarize it for lack of time. Moses had been up on the mount, remember? And uh, down while he's up on the mountain and God's given him the two tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments, remember what's going on down at the foot of the mountain? Aaron, who's basically the vice president or the set, right, the second man in charge, and all the people down there are breaking the very laws of God that God's giving Moses up on the mountain. And so when Moses comes back down, when Moses comes down, look at Exodus chapter 32, verse 21. Exodus 32, verse 21. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee? <laughs> What have these people done unto you? Now that was, you know, that was a rebuke, but it it was kind of a a kind rebuke, wasn't it? Uh, He said, "What have these people done unto you that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them?" And Aaron said, "Let not the anger of my master wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief." (laughs) He passed the buck. Well, you know how hard you know these people, Moses. You know this crowd that we're trying to help here. And uh, verse 23, they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't, we want not what has become of him. And, uh, and uh, he goes on to say, And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. And they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. 
Now we chuckle. You know, you know, he said, well, you know this crowd that we've got here, and here's what the people did to me. They, they forced me, and they, took, they gave me all their gold and silver. And, and you know what, Moses? I threw it in the fire, and you won't believe what happened. And these cats just jumped right out of there. You know, I think he got caught, didn't he? Isn't it amazing how foolish we can be when we get caught? Children do that now. And us adults do that. Our old cotton-picking pride, isn't it? We get caught and all of a sudden <laughs> the excuses we give try to justify and we make a fool out of ourselves. And, and here's Aaron of all people. And they've seen. And, uh, and, and Moses intercedes. And, and now look over and, and, and actually God, before Moses comes down, if you go back and read chapter 32, God told Moses, Moses had no idea what's going on down there, but he knew something bad because God said, Moses, step aside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of the whole bunch. And Moses intercedes, prays for him. And he goes down, and then he goes back up on the mountain. And look at chapter 33 just a moment. Chapter 33. and Mo, Verse 12. Chapter 33, verse 12. And Moses, in chapter 33, verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. He's saying, Now God, you've, we've brought them out of Egypt. We got them here to Mount Sinai. And I'm going to tell you, we've got a stubborn bunch here. What are we going to do with them? In verse 13 of chapter 33, verse 13, now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now the way, thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And God said to Moses in verse 14, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Now look at verse 15. And Moses said unto God, If your presence go not with me, then carry us up, not, not up hence. Well, that's good, isn't it? Well, God, if, if you're not with us, we might as well just quit right now. Amen. Now, it's leading up to something. Verse 17 of chapter 33 of Exodus. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And Moses said, to God in verse 18, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. God, I need a fresh vision of you for this task. We all need that, don't we? We read a verse back in Psalm 103, we'll go back to it in a minute, that said their youth is renewed like the eagles. Sounds like a verse Isaiah gave us in Isaiah 40. There are times in our lives when we need God to give us a fresh vision, doesn't it? So that our youth and strength might be, be renewed. This was a time in Moses' life where he needed that. And I know we said, well, him, he had two or three million Israelites out there and, and, and he had some good help like Aaron and he had his own issues. And I'd say he needs what well, we all need. Our strength renewed and a fresh vision of God from time to time, don't we? And so look what happens in verse 19 of Exodus 33. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, 
and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show what? Mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Moses, thou canst not see my face, for thou shalt no man see my face and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock and cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back part. But my face thou shalt not see. In other words, it was like God was saying, Moses, I'm just going to let you see the afterglow. <laughs> that's, as, that's as close as I can let you get this side of heaven. Why, you'd be consumed in less than a second. Now, watch what happened in chapter 34 and verse 5. Leading up to this now. Chapter 34 Chapter 34 and verse 5. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Or he's revealing himself to Moses. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, Jehovah God, the Lord, the Lord God. And what's the first word? Merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Watch verse 7. Keeping what? Mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Implying the consequences that sin has the blessings that the mercy of God can bring. Amen. Moses had an experience there. If you'll go back with me to Psalm 103 for a minute. Thinking about the mercy of God. Personally, I don't know of anyone in the Bible who had a vision of God's glory and a revelation of God's mercy like God gave Moses right there. Amen. Now we get to the New Testament, man, we have all kind of teaching about the mercy of God and, and, and the glory of God and all that's connected with that. Now come back with me to Psalm 103, and I don't know if, Mo, if, if the psalmist that wrote this psalm had that particular event in mind or not, but he sure had a lot to say about the mercy of God, didn't he? Now with what time i got left, can I just pick three things out of Psalm 103 tonight? that I'm personally thankful for, and it's only because of the mercy of God. Amen? And I'm sure you're thankful for Him tonight. And there's more than three in here, I'm sure. Let me just share three things with you that ought to make us like the psalmist tonight just literally be exploding with praise to God and gratefulness to God because of what we have because of His mercy tonight. Amen? What are they? Well, first of all, number one, the forgiveness of sins. Look what he said, Psalm 103. The first thing he mentions after the first two verses of praising God, verse 3, Psalm 103, verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Wow. How many? All. And you know there are so many different words in the Bible for sin. Just like all these words, mercy, loving kindness, grace, and 
and so forth. And the word iniquity is a word that has to do with rebellion. It has to do with lawlessness. It has to do with that hard-hearted, stubborn heart that we were reminded of this morning. And you know, the, the even the smallest children from earlier, <laughs> my, uh, well, I guess, uh, I guess I'm right. Our, our youngest grandchild is David. Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned a name, should I? I'll get myself in trouble. Our youngest grandchild is, I'm just joking with you. I believe David's our youngest grandchild. And Judy was telling me the other day, how old is David? Tim and Anna's, uh, Tim and, Tim and uh, not Tim and Anna, uh, Daniel and Connie's, uh, David is a year old, just had his first birthday. And I guess he's the youngest, isn't he, of, of grandkids. And Judy said, uh, and did you see David? He's sitting there on the floor. Is that a pretty good illustration of that? Huh? Is that pretty good? What is that? I think that's called stubbornness, isn't it? I think that's called a little sin nature coming out. You see? Now we all have. Sometimes we can be sitting there like this. And on the inside we can be going, you know. We just do a good job of hiding it. And we've got that. And you know, and, and that word iniquity <clears throat> has to do with that. We, we, we want to be, uh, we transgress God's law. We're rebellious by nature. And God's, because of God's mercy, we have forgiveness. Look over in the psalm there. He goes on to say <clears throat> in verse 10, Psalm 103 verse 10, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to tell you what, we'd be in a mess tonight if he did, wouldn't we? Truth is, we, we could be in hell tonight. Someone said, the grace of God is giving you what you don't deserve. The mercy of God is withholding what you really deserve. Sometimes we try to come up with these and I'm not sure that adequately describes grace and mercy, but it's a good illustration, isn't it? And so he says in verse 10, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions. All these different terms for sins tonight. Aren't you thankful tonight for salvation? and forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. Amen. And not just the fact that you're saved. The moment you got saved, you were forgiven of the penalty of sin. But how many sins has God forgiven you of? And has God forgiven me of since I got saved? Aren't you thankful for verses like 1 John chapter 2 that says, little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. But if you sin... Don't let the devil keep you down. Remember, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but he's available for the whole world. Amen. And then back in chapter 1, verse 7 or 9 there, he says, if we confess our sins, he's talking to God's children there. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of all sin and cleanse us through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the mercy of God, isn't it? That's the mercy. As far as the east is from the west. Is there any sin? Is there any sin that God would not forgive us of? Absolutely not. That's the, and even the psalmist. 
back in the Old Testament days, and he didn't have all the revelation of the New Testament that we have. And yet he's praising God for the forgiveness of all thy iniquity. Thank God. And boy, there are so many. If we wanted to go to the, how many verses could we go to in those New Testament epistles and, and read about salvation only because of the mercy, the mercy of Almighty God. So I'm thankful tonight for forgiveness of sins. How about you? Amen? But notice the second thing. He says in verse 3 again, Psalm 103, verse 3, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, and who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy. You know, I'm thankful tonight for the mercy of God that He not only saved me in 1965, but by His mercy, He salvaged my life from destruction. We often talk about people we've met, and you've met people. You know the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but well, there's consequences, isn't there? And God can forgive you of every sin. But all the consequences may not be taken. Now, God's grace is sufficient, amen? We talk about people who literally fried their brain with drugs. Or they've been drunk and in car accidents. And, and part of members of the body has been destroyed and so forth. And God doesn't always restore all those things. Now, hey, there, there are many who found out that in spite of the, having to live the rest of their lives with the consequences of their sins, they found out God's grace is sufficient, amen. It may not be easy. And that's why you young people here tonight, we say to you, hey, the, 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 you know, the, the earlier you get saved and sell out to the Lord and live for the Lord and, and not let the devil catch you in the traps of those sins, hey, God can not only save you from sin, He can salvage your life from being wasted. I remember growing up hearing a lot of preachers like Oliver Green. How many of you ever heard Oliver Green on radio? My goodness, many, you know. Did you know Oliver Green had a lot of physical issues? He suffered physically. You know, you hear him on radio, you didn't know a lot of that. And sometimes he would mention it. Before Oliver Green was born again, he lived a, he lived a wicked life. Alcohol and all kinds of stuff. And, and and would come in at night and he'd give a testimony about seeing his mother down by her bed praying for him. And he would get saved and get right with God. And finally, hallelujah, he got saved. And God forgave him of all of his sins. But he had done damage to his body. And, and my, how God used that man. Oh my, if you're familiar. And God's still using his sermons and, and his literature. But you know what? Hey, he suffered physically and otherwise. Much of his life, and much of it, he gave testimony to the fact that he had lived in such wicked sin before he was willing to humble his heart and trust Christ as his Savior. So thank God God's grace is sufficient in any situation. But for some of us here tonight, maybe, who got saved earlier in life, and, 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 and no matter what, if, it, if you've only been saved five years, that's five years of your life that's been salvaged. Amen. And aren't you thankful? Look over again in Psalm, thinking about not only forgiveness of sins, but a salvaged life. Look at uh, 
verse uh, 14, Psalm 103, verse 14. For God knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are but what? Dust. Doesn't the Bible, and there's so many verses we could go to and pack. You know, the Bible says God's not going to put any more upon you. And He know He can give you grace to stand up under it. Amen? Aren't you glad God knows each one of us? God knows the trials and difficulties that He can put into your life. God knows the blessings He can put in. You know, sometimes blessings can ruin you, can't they? You see? Aren't you glad you have a God and a Heavenly Father that knows you, that knows you to the detail to know exactly what He can allow in your life? Blessings and burdens. He knows our frame that we are but dust. <clears throat> and He knows, verse 15, is for man His days are as a grass and a flower of the field, so He flourisheth. And the wind passes over it and it's gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. 97, 98. I, we took a couple of our grandsons out to eat today for lunch. And I ran into another a young man I had met and his father happened to be with him and he introduced his father to me and his father was a pastor and I didn't know him. And I said, how long have you been pastoring there? And he said, uh, uh, 30 years. He said, how long have you been pastoring where you are? I said, 32 years and so forth. And we were talking, struck up a conversation. And we were talking about it. He said, well, how old are you? I said, well, I'll be 68 in December. And he said, well, I'm 63. I said, well, you're just a kid. You know? <laughs> That's what people tell me. Some of you, they're in your 80s. Well, you, Brother Bob, well, you're, well, I've got a son your age. Well, you just went behind the ears, he'll say. You know, life, well, what a beautiful flower comes up. And uh, we've got a couple of those bushes called azalea bushes. And boy, they're beautiful. You know, but those old blooms don't last too long. And then all of a sudden, that bush to me becomes one of the ugliest bushes around. And those old blooms start wilting and turning brown, ugly looking. And, but you enjoy the, the but it, it comes and goes. Just, you know, you can live to be a hundred. And boy, your life comes and goes so quick, doesn't it? Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? Where could we be tonight? I told the folk here Friday night, we were here for the prayer meeting, and I think about this often. Sometimes we're having our Saturday, you know, we get used to coming to church, but think about the, the, the men's prayer meeting once a month, or we're having a picnic or something, and, and, and sometimes thoughts go through my mind. I think, God, where could I be tonight? I could be in prison. I could be somewhere drunk. Think of all the different kind of meetings and parties I could be in. And oh God, here we are. Here I am with two or three grown men. And we're talking about the Bible. Talking about God. Having prayer together. And I think, well, oh God. That's mercy. That's mercy and grace. And I'm going to tell you what. Not only can God forgive our sins. He can salvage our lives from all the wicked sin in this world. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? And then let me show you a third one real quick. Did you notice there in Psalm 103, verse 17, that the mercy of the Lord is for how long? Everlasting. To everlasting upon them that what? Fear Him. Now, if you don't mind going to the New Testament real quick, go to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. A very familiar verse in Ephesians chapter 2. My goodness, there are 
there are literally dozens and dozens of passages we could turn to, as you know, in the New Testament about the mercy of God. You know what? All that you and I enjoy of the mercy of God in this life, and it overwhelms me, amen, is just a drop in the bucket to what we're going to experience in eternity. Look, we've got all eternity. Isn't that what he said? How long does God's mercy last? It's eternal, amen. It's plenteous, it's great, it's tender, it's eternal. <clears throat> Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. That in the ages to come, that in what? <laughs> not only this age, not only this little time period that one day if I don't get caught up in the rapture, you'll preach my funeral and there will be a date that he was born and a date that he died. And my, that little dash in there will represent my whole life. And my, how I've experienced the mercy and grace of God. And you can say the same thing. Hallelujah. Not just for that age, but all the ages to come. Look at that. Ephesians 2 verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. There's the mercy. Toward who? Toward us. Put your name there, amen, if you're a born-again believer tonight. And it's all through Christ Jesus. You know the psalmist in Psalm 23, verse 6, the very last verse of Psalm 23 said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And I think that's talking about heaven. At least I apply it to me that way. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory to God, folks. That's mercy, isn't it? Now I want you to go to one other passage with me. Because we mention it often. But it dawned on me the other day that I don't know how, maybe you've read it privately and personally, but we've not read it publicly in a long time. And it's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. And you know, everybody that's dying is not going to heaven. Everybody that's dying is not going to that place where we just read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 that we'll be, there'll be unending ages of God's grace and God's kindness and God's mercy. But there's another place besides heaven, isn't there? And it's a place the Bible calls hell. And look at this. <clears throat> Let's read it. <clears throat> I'll read it out loud. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, beginning with verse 19. <clears throat> the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. Now, I personally do not believe this is a parable. I believe Jesus had two real people. And if you believe it's a parable, it doesn't change the truth one bit. It's still teaching the same truth. But I believe it's a real story. And it had nothing to do with this man being wealthy. Problem is, is the blessings that God's mercy had given him in this life became a stumbling block to him. He didn't need God, you see. And verse 20 says, there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at this gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. 
And it came to pass that the beggar died. Now watch this. The beggar died. Beggars die, millionaires die. Billionaires die. Amen? And the beggar died, and he was carried by who? Angels. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Unto Abraham's bosom. And we believe that was a Hebrew phrase for paradise. To what was then known as heaven, paradise. The rich man died, and all the Bible says was he was buried. No angels to carry him to paradise. What happened to him? Look at verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, he's conscious, and he's in torments. And he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Which is a Hebrew way of explaining he's in torments and Lazarus is comforted. And look what he asked for in verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have what? Mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. God, could you just be merciful enough to him to just give me one drop of water, one finger covered with water for my tongue. Now, can, boy, I, I tell you what, can you imagine being in a place where there's not a drop, not a drop of God's mercy? And that's how Jesus, by the way, I've got a red-lettered edition of the New Testament. These are words that Jesus spoke. Now, all the Bible, they make, hey, the red letter is not any more authoritative than the rest of it, but we understand these are words that Jesus spoke. There's a place where there's absolutely not a drop of God's mercy. Now, if God hadn't said it and Jesus hadn't said it, we'd have a hard time believing it, wouldn't we? And you know the end of Let me just finish reading it real quick. Abraham said, verse 25. Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil. And now he's comforted, and you're tormented. Besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Send him to my family. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Didn't the psalmist mention Moses and the mercy of God? They have, they have, they have the truth. They have the Bible. And if they're not willing to listen to the Word of God, Verse 30, he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said, If they'll not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And by the way, there was another Lazarus that rose from the dead, and Jesus rose from the dead too. And if they won't believe, you know what? The answer is still right here, isn't it, Father? Right here. Now, I don't know about you, but even reading that story, Reminds me how precious the mercy of God is tonight. Amen. How my heart ought to be exploding in praise to God for forgiveness of sins, for a purpose in life. And by the way, I hope I didn't say anything. If you got saved later in life and 
you've spent many years of your life in wicked sin. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God and the mercy of God? And God can bring beauty out of ashes. I'm just challenging our young people tonight. Hey, you don't have to spend a third of your life in sin. God, God can save you, save you out of all that. Amen. But aren't you glad that tonight you got a purpose in life? You got someone worth living for. You don't have to throw you. And you look around and see the consequences of sin in people's lives. And know that God's mercy can save you from that and deliver you from that. And then beyond all this, we got all eternity. The ceaseless ages of God's amazing grace. Again, the psalmist said, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm thankful for God's mercy tonight. How about you? Let's bow our heads and pray. You're here tonight. And the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart. And you're not 100% sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Just as sure as there's a heaven, there's a hell. And just as sure as, and only because of God's mercy and grace, the believer will experience unceaseless ages of mercy and grace and the loving kindness of God. The lost will spend eternity in a place called hell. 